doing and believing and what's happening in them. That will help enhance my tradition of faith. But also in terms of like understanding, uh, gosh, I need to pause and think about Ooh. this thought. That's it. You got a big thought coming. I don't know. Take a deep breath and start your sentence over. I don't know what my sentence was. Start a new sentence. Start a new sentence. <laughs> we'll cut that right out. <laughs> clap, clap. <laughs> new sentence new coming. Sentence. Drum roll for the new <laughs> sentence. everybody, welcome to No Small Thing. I'm Scott. And I'm Macy. Welcome to the conversation. Tonight we're going to be talking about... Drum roll? I'm going to add a real drum roll. That'd be... I'm going to do it. Okay, well... You I think mean, I'm lying. I don't think you're lying. Um, the Trinity. That's would that, the would that be interesting? Do people like drum rolls? Poll out there. Do people like drum rolls? <laughs> is it fun? Is it fun to drum roll our our, our topic for the night? <laughs> Let us know. Let That's us know. That's a thing you've been doing. I kept thinking it was going to be a one-off, and then you do the drum roll. I, it just feels natural sometimes when I'm really pumped about a topic, and tonight's topic is a topic I'm very pumped about, Trinity. We are talking about the Trinity. Which is it's, a very... It's not a, it's not a character from The Matrix. Is it? A, is that the name of someone? Yeah. In The Matrix? <laughs> I've never seen The Matrix. I don't know what else uh, other misconceptions or uh, thing people can have about what we're talking about. It's a Christian doctrine. Oh, what misconceptions yeah. can they have? Yeah. There's a lot of misconceptions. Oh, no, no. I'm like, <laughs> if I if we just say Trinity, people are going to be like, right. what are they talking about? What okay, is that? Yeah, so Trinity. Just putting it out there. It's this. Wait, let me ask you one quick question. Okay. Yeah. Has there been a topic so far that you haven't been excited about? Gosh. I don't think so. And so is that going back to the well, drum roll Well, has there thing? been a topic that hasn't merited a drum roll? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> on some level. There are some topics that I'm like, oh my gosh, like very, very pumped about. This one is one of those that I'm like, I have a lot of random thoughts on this topic mm -hmm. that I would never be able to talk about if we didn't have this podcast. Like who gets to just talk about the Trinity and put it out there? So People it's that work roll. at a church get to talk about Trinity. I guess that's true. So People it's a drum roll. <laughs> so it's a drum roll. <laughs> I don't get to talk about this casually in my daily life. Therefore, it's a drum roll. It's a drum roll situation, folks. <laughs> okay, so... So it's Trinity. What, what do you want to say? <laughs> I want to explain the okay. Trinity for okay. people who maybe don't even know at all. You're on a walk with a person... <laughs> Walking down Queen Anne Avenue with somebody. Uh, hey, Macy, what's the Trinity? Okay, so the Trinity, friend, that's walking yeah. with me. It's this Christian doctrine or concept or maybe reality that the God, specifically the Christian God, is a God that is both three parts in one whole. Hmm. And it's often used described in the metaphors often used it's most okay it's a metaphor for god okay okay and okay. within the metaphor right off the bat some controversial <laughs> statements but this is good you well, want to lean right into it you want to lean right into it you want to worry about whether it's controversial or not well yeah because i think yeah i don't even think that's that controversial maybe okay, okay. Oh, gosh <laughs> you're saying 
I don't want to interrupt your definition. You're saying it's merely a metaphor. I don't think the word merely should be in front of metaphor. Okay. I think it's a very beautiful, helpful, substantial <clears throat> metaphor, but I don't think it is. There is no way that the Trinity fully encompasses the mystery okay, of the I divine like that. other. Great so it's a metaphor. Great clarification. Um, I, I, I'll, let's let's earmark <laughs> that topic and get into it a little bit later, because <laughs> we don't want to get right into it in in the opening. It's true. Comments. Um, what was my point though? Oh, there's no point. You're just describing. Describing. And explaining. The, oh, to your friend oh, walking down Queen Anne. Oh, my friend. So you may have heard. You'll hear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those are often the names of the persons of the Trinity that are often used. I would say in Christian, like tradition. So that's probably where you like will most hear, it, and that's like the metaphor most used. So that's, that's the Trinity. That's it. it. That's not it, but. That's it. You did it. Uh, and now you say goodbye to your friend, <laughs> Queen Anne. Thanks, Macy. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it comes from this whole idea that it's like Christianity is not a monotheistic religion in the sense that it's a religion that worships slash follows a Tritheistic. God. A tritheistic. Tri- kind of. But it's not Very really. Very controversial. It's not. It's not very controversial. It's both and it's neither, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of uh sort of awkward insidery theology humor going on right now. We're laughing at people like why would they be laughing about this? It's true, it's true because <laughs> it's just the Trinity is one of the most debated, hard to understand Christian doctrines, so there's a lot of like different voices out there and different ways people interpret Mm. what it is that God is triune and that the Bible kind of conveys a triune God, but it's not explicit. There's There's no passage in the Bible that talks about the Trinity. No. And so, so, but it's this huge tenet of Christianity. And so there's a lot of weight in its tradition and its early becomings and the way it plays a role in the creeds and things like that. But it's, Oh, there's just so much debate out there. What a topic. <laughs> what a topic. So it gets a drum roll. So it gets a it's, drum roll. It, it, it gets a bit of a definition. Mm-hmm. And then what? why do you like it so much? Because I don't even actually know this. this. Just so everybody knows, this is a real conversation. This is scripted. We're not looking at notes. We aren't looking at notes, but we are looking at books. We have books. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah. obviously sort of light up when we talk about this. I would love on our Instagram to eventually post your painting, which True. I think represents... In some ways, the Trinity, right? No, it for sure. It does. for sure represents the Trinity. <laughs> I've told Macy several times I want to buy this painting, but I think she's holding on to it. Yeah, because she likes it. Because I like <laughs> it's it. It's really good. It's one of the best you've ever done. Um, why do I love the Trinity? That's a great question. I think, for me, in terms of spirituality, my faith felt when I like. Okay, mm. Ugh, this is hard to describe, but. I grew up not that Christian and then fell into a youth group and that became Whoops, my like here I am, youth group. Yeah. Fell. Whoa, <laughs> youth group, camp. Here I we went go. to camp, loved camp, and then I became like weirdly evangelical and my family wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I picked up a lot of Christian ideas and concepts and I think that the faith that I formed in was primarily it wasn't a trinitarian faith in Mm. the real sense of a trinitarian faith it was christian quote-unquote but it was very jesus-centric and like uh 
evangelical. It was about accepting Jesus and moving on, and there wasn't a true understanding of the Trinity. And so when I learned about the Trinity in terms of like taking classes on theology and understood the richness of the tradition and how much our churches and our Christian formation is missing triune theology, it like it blew my mind in the sense of like well said the trinity is a doctrine that implies mystery and it implies relationship and it implies like a forever movement it's a a, like the doctrine of grace in relation Hmm. and so i feel like big things (laughs) those all merit some unpacking you know what i mean Uh, i feel like you're really saying some things if any if anybody's interested let's say if this is not sounding like something for you we have other episodes to go listen to. It's go, go. true. But maybe, maybe you're like, what the heck are they talking about? Yeah, this is like a such a theology-heavy episode. We're going to try episode. to say it. We're going to try to say it in a little bit. <laughs> so maybe you're intrigued. <laughs> Anyways, like honestly sitting and like studying the Trinity, it like there's so much to be understood and there's so much mystery in terms of a triune divinity that's always in relation and I'm so inspired and in awe of what that implies for us and the ways that you can reinterpret everything in scripture of understanding that it's a relational God that's in a relationship that's acting in part just changes like the whole narrative. (sighs) (sighs) That is really good. What I'd contribute to that. Yeah, I want to know. In terms of uh, we don't need to deb- debate metaphor right now because I think you're right and you made some good clarifying points. But I would say I would say at the beginning, the Trinity, it's really interesting to think about this. And you're right that we don't emphasize this in our Christian circles very much, yeah. at least ours. Maybe some other, maybe some people are listening and thinking, we, well, we do. Well, you I would know, think Episcopal churches Drum rolls for all those people. would probably, they're probably, in my opinion, churches that are mm. probably most practicing. Okay. Maybe Catholic and Orthodox. So what I would say is for, for Christians, um, the tri- the triune God or the Trinity is God. That's the God that people are talking about. So when people say God, it's the Trinity. Yeah. That's yeah. God. They're not talking about – when you say – I think it's one of the misconceptions is when we say God, we're talking about God the Father. Hmm. And then there's hmm. these other things. There's the right. Holy Spirit and there's Jesus. It's like, no, the Christian God is the Trinity. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. And the Christian God is the relationship of the mm-hmm, God. Mm-hmm. Like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the three parts. So so uh, I think that's one of the, what you'd, you'd say is like the hallmarks mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the defining elements of the Christian faith is the Trinity. And a really beautiful yeah. one. And one I think people could be and should be proud of. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think, are we going to give notes? I kind of well, want to... <laughs> That's up to you. No, no. <laughs> notes? <laughs> I didn't mean notes in that sense. Like, are we going to give, I guess I just sh- should just save this thought for when we're talking about theology. Let's see. Okay. Should we save it? I don't know. Okay. How many minutes are we at? How much are we ten supposed minutes, to? 10 minutes. 10 minutes. We're trying to keep the opening to 10 minutes so we can. Okay. I won't. <laughs> I have, this is so much. We want our audience to take notes this week. No. We hope you're taking notes. Everybody. We hope you're taking notes. Uh, is there anything else to be said in the intro of the Trinity? When um, did you, when, like, what does it mean to you in the sense? I think, it, I think as I've been thinking about it this week, I've been lamenting how little it's talked about in the Christian faith. That yeah. It, how little it's 
referenced in our worship services and even in my own brain. I think mm-hmm. I'm so mm-hmm. hardwired to think of God as like, like I was saying, God, the father. And yeah. we yeah. miss this beautiful doctrine. And I would also say sort of to set the table, I've said this before that, you know, this is a Christian doctrine, but it's still great regardless. It's still a right. nice thing to think about. That's what I was kind of going to say was that it's, this is this doctrine that Christians kind of follow or believe I mean, in, believe in, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think this is like a doctrine or a concept or an idea for everyone, regardless of if you believe in the beyond other, or some divine thing, the concept and the ways that this like doctrine can inspire you is cool, regardless of your faith background or regardless if you care about faith. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that this conversation is kind of for everyone. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. Uh, okay, so next we're going to just, we're going to have a big conversation about the uh, the Trinity. Right. But first we're going to talk about the what tr- what theology is, because that's not something we've really covered in this podcast. Right. We've, and it's, we've danced around it's it. It's part of both of our backgrounds. Yeah. So. And we don't even quite know what it is, but we're going to throw out some thoughts. True. Coming up next. Coming up next. Hey there, listener. You know what? We appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is Scott, by the way, and I'm interrupting our conversation on the Trinity to just briefly highlight a few ways that you can support our podcast, No Small Thing. It's the podcast you're currently listening to. Macy and I are both super committed to this podcast. We believe in it and we are in it for the long haul. If you're listening, we want to ask for your help to get the word out about the podcast so we can get some more listeners. Here are some ways that you can do that. First, you can rate and review us on iTunes. As of now, we have way more listeners than we have reviews, so I know there are some good people listening to this that haven't rated and reviewed. And to you, I want to say, stop the podcast for just a second and take three minutes to pop on over to iTunes and rate and review us. I will give you a mental high five if you could do that. Second, you can support us on Patreon. This is a way to financially contribute to what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast. There are lots of options for how you can support us on Patreon. Just head on over to www.patreon.com and search No Small Thing, and you'll be given options on how you can support us in that way. You can also support us by simply spreading the word to friends and family. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast in any way, just tell a friend or a group of friends. Or make an announcement at a giant venue and maybe get someone to do a drum roll before you talk about the podcast. And finally, I think it might be worth trying to post something about our podcast on Instagram if you're willing. You could just post a picture of yourself and say that you've discovered a cool new podcast that you recommend and then mention us. Or mention the podcast, not necessarily Macy and me. We're called No Small Thing on Instagram. Okay, hopefully that wasn't too painful. I tried to talk fast and enunciate my words so you could understand my pleas for help. And seriously, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Macy and I had a wild time talking about the Trinity. And I know I speak for both of us when I say we hope it's beneficial for you in some small way. Okay, back to the show. And we're back. And we're back, everybody. (laughs) So during our break... (laughs) <laughs> when we were getting Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Um, oh, I wish. We were so, sort of talking about... So I went to seminary. 
Macy studied theology at SPU, Seattle Pacific University, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this other parts of the country. And uh, we have professors. We had professors. And I think one of the sad things heroes. about our, they are heroes. <laughs> we look up to them and respect them. One of the sad things that I've noticed over the years, and I'll, I'll say this, in my early days especially, mm-hmm. fresh out of SPU, because I also, also was a theology major at SPU, I would preach at our church. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I realized in retrospect in those early days that I was tailoring my sermons to my professors. I was treating it like an assignment. Oh. And then I became, there was a thought that entered my brain probably 10 years later and that was very liberating. And I was thinking, it's so sad that I'm tailoring my message to these professors when the whole point of going to seminary or learning mm. to study this stuff mm. is that we then go back out into the world and take what we've learned and translate it. Hmm into our specific communities. So I'm supposed wow, to... Oh, that's so good. I'm supposed to say something to high schoolers that helps make sense make sense of this stuff to them. Hmm. So Macy and I are both like, oh, wow. our, our professors can't hear this. Well, our professors aren't our audience. <laughs> I'm ch- I, Okay, let's just say who our audience is. <laughs> we, we have high schoolers listening, you know, to this podcast. I like to think that there are doubters and atheists and mm-hmm. non-believers. That's what I hope this podcast is uh, uh, accessible to. I agree. I don't want necessarily to be reaching a purely Christian audience. Yeah. So uh, I, I hope somebody that's a very, that's a skeptic or an atheist could listen to this and think, wow, I, I may not like believe in Christianity now, but I, I'm really intrigued by what they were saying today. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, we, we can't be speaking as like if we're in our seminary class. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I, this just makes me think of another point in terms of why doing, like, even just listening into this Christian conversation on the Trinity is helpful, especially because we have, we're going to try and, like, unpack a big kind of crazy concept. Because I just think in my practical life, I have a lot to learn in terms of, like, what other faith traditions are doing and believing and what's happening in them. That will help enhance my tradition. So I think in terms of faith, having like specific faith is helpful Mm -hmm. so whether or not you are christian i think people who are people who are trying to understand spirituality of faith can understand that it's good for someone who is in religion and wanting to be spiritual to care about their specific spiritual things yes does that make sense yes well said and so I think it's almost fun because I would love to listen into a conversation from Hindi religion that Mm -hmm. was discussing some very important like doctrine, you know, Mm -hmm. like that would be so helpful for me in understanding my own faith and my own spirituality. And I think this, like the specificness of our religion is where it sometimes finds its beauty Mm -hmm. because then there's the discussions around it and you have like, that's part of, it's goodness. Well said. Well don't said. Know. Don't 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 cringe at that. That was really good. Don't cringe at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not even defining theology yet, or talking no. about theology oh, yeah, yet. We but were what I would say, theology. I would just say to piggyback on that. Um, I th- I think I went through my own season of doubt with Christianity, and then discovered, or at least came to see, and to your point, that what we need in the world are people that are sort of all in on their faith 
Right. Like I, I want right. to talk to a Buddhist who's a real Buddhist. I don't want to water down Buddhism because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't think I'm truly going to learn very much from somebody that's not taking it very seriously or is half in, half out. And I would like to think as a Christian, I would have somebody, something to teach somebody that's interested in Christianity. But, um, yeah. Well, and I think I it's... I can tell you want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you You're like, okay, okay, we finish that Did thought you... up. <laughs> no, it's, I, like, no I was done. You rescued me. Thank you. I was floundering. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now I don't even remember my thought. No, I think... Like, uh, gosh, I just really liked you saying going all in on your faith. And Mm -hmm. I think you can go all in on your faith and be specific in your faith with an understanding that your faith is following a specific, like, spiritual narrative or faith path that is, it's not, and I want to kind of think of this in terms, I want to explain boundary set and centered sets theology. Whoa, do it. Okay. Please, I don't even know. Uh, okay, well, now so say some things. <laughs> I just say it very clearly. What did you just say? Boundaried set thinking. Boundaried set thinking versus and centered like centered set. set thinking. Okay, so here we go, <laughs> Professor Macy. I don't, I don't know what you're about to say. Well, I'm gonna learn. I'm not sure what I'm about to say <laughs> either. But uh, so one way of thinking about kind of spirituality or faith is boundaried, which I think a lot of people especially in America, mainstream American Christianity has been practicing a boundary set thinking and boundary set living where it's you're you believe this or you don't. It's one way or the mm, other. And mm. God is on this line and you define Ooh. lines. And so it's a boundary set way of understanding God. Okay. And so that makes there it's clear. It's typically very black and white. And there's some there's some goodness. Fairly in it. legalistic. It's fairly legalistic. But I think it's it's more of just a way of understanding in the sense of at one point, like, God, you, like, either are in and knowing this thing, and that's, like, understanding God, or you're on the other side of the line. So there's, oh. like, lines. Yeah, no thank you to that, by the way. And so centered set thinking is more of this idea of there's divinity or other in the center, and there's all these different faith practices or ways Ooh. of understanding around it, and we're all, like, at different kind of points and hues and places because there's no boundary. It's just a center place and we're all at different spots on the journey. And so I could be, I, I like that. That's going to really irk some people though. <laughs> I don't know about any listeners of this podcast, but there are people that would be nervous. If, maybe. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's liberating. I don't If it makes you nervous, pause. It can be a liberating way of thinking. I think don't need, don't need to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's recognizing that I am on like maybe one side of this circle, you know, and there's someone on the complete opposite end who's also understanding and encountering the divine other and having worshipful experiences through their specific practice. And mm. it's not my way is the right way, you know, but it's a way and it's along the path. And so I think there is a goodness in being specific and saying, okay, this is Christian doctrine and theology. And there's, it's helpful to have some form of a boundary within that centered set of thinking to help guide the path. Ooh. It would be hard. Yes. It would be hard to just be like, whatever, all things. Yeah. You know, that's very hard. And I don't think there's necessarily something wrong with it, but I just think, you lose some richness. We do need some depth. agreed upon language yeah, to even be able mm-hmm. to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. 
Pokemon. So we're so this is the uh, this is <laughs> a little segment where I just wanted to have a brief uh, little conversation about what we mean. Again, a walk with somebody on Queen Anne. Oh, what is theology? Not 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 a not a seminary paper or something like that. Right. What, what what how would you describe what? The reason I want to describe theology is because essentially what we're uh, what we're about to attempt to do mm-hmm. is to have a theological discussion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another you could say uh, historians are about to have a historical discussion. Scientific scientists are going to have a scientific discussion. We're going to have a, theolo- a philosophical discussion. Oh, We're going to have a sense. theological discussion. So what is that? I mean, I just bla- I mean, it's the study of God. The study of God. That's like what it literally means. Bye, but everybody. I- Podcast. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Theology is the study of God. But I think to think of something theologically is to. Oh, gosh. This is kind of hard, but I think it's... Yeah, it's hard, it's which I, I enjoy the challenge mm-hmm. of trying to say it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Theology is trying to understand and interpret the world through the lens of God and the way God interacts with yes. God's people. Yes, well done. <laughs> I think that's how I would define it. We work really hard on not having the conversation before we record, so this is fresh reactions. Yeah. I like that. What do you think? Um, I, I don't think, <laughs> I do think, I do think, but I, I have, I, I, I know, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I had two things in my mind that I wanted to share that okay. I sort of walk around in my brain, mm-hmm. uh, when I think about theology and there are two theologians, unfortunately, uh, nope, I can bring in a black theologian that I really like. So I'll say three things. Okay. Two old white theologians <laughs> and one old black theologian. Uh, here it comes. <laughs> Um, when we're talking about theology, one is Paul Tillich, who I love, a uh, Christian theologian that died uh, a while back, a while back. Um, who, uh, he said that theology What is kind of theologian is he? Like a... He'd probably reform. be considered a systematic theologian, oh, okay. but he also was known for really crossing the bridge of theology and philosophy. Okay. Uh, so a lot of Christians wouldn't even consider him a Christian because he, he really went deep into it's my job to essentially create new language for a modern era Ugh. so he wouldn't refer to god he called god the ground of being and people are like oh you can't oh, say the I ground of that. being yeah so and then he has he has whole books about why he does that so he explains why he needs to do that right. and he encourages all th- us all to do that hmm. let's what what would be a way to talk about god in our youth group or, oh, or a I word love that. that would be new and fresh that we all just agreed upon so he said uh he said theology is the methods used to interpret the content of the christian faith the methods used to interpret the content oh i like that yeah and and and, and we're always interpreting so Hmm. theologians which Mm -hmm. anybody can be a theologian let's just say that yeah uh it's it's about it's about interpreting afresh of a a 2000 year old religion yeah so it's up to us to make it applicable to what we're living in now. Yeah. So that's one. Uh, one Another image I like comes from another old dead white theologian. His name's Karl Barth. Wow. And he said he He's described really theology up. or it's necessary for theology to be a living processional. A living processional. Think about that phrase. Wow. Yeah. So it, what does that mean? He, it means, first of all, <laughs> lots of things. So much as it's just in that one sentence. First of all, uh, in my mind, a processional involves a community. Mm-hmm. It's a group of people proceeding down sort of in almost a celebratory way. Mm-hmm. So if you even have this definition that Paul Tillich had, 
the methods that people use to interpret the content of the Christian faith and then add sort of a playful, almost uh, uh, a, a direction oriented. We're heading to a place mm. forward movement. Hmm. And then I, I think people would say theology is meant to be done in community. So you don't yeah. sit oh, up 100%. in an ivory tower by yourself. You you do it in community. So it's it's a forward-moving, living processional. It's not stale. It's not something that was solved a thousand years ago, and then we just study it. It's something yeah. that's happening fresh. Every every church or every community that's that's exploring theology is a living processional. Wow. And then the final thing is uh, the theologian I've been reading this year, James Cone, who just died this year. Hmm. Um, and I think we're going to try to do an episode on him eventually. But the thing I've been really learning from him is that almost, well, from his lens, maybe he would say the most credible or the most um, pertinent or important or the most valid theology is done from the margins. Yeah, so, which I think is true. Yeah, and that's a hard word for... You know, white people, white people. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> that's a hard word for white people, but it's a hard word for professors. It's a hard word for people that are learned and in power. And um, it's, it's a hard word for the people who have written all the textbooks and have had the right hold of. Yeah. So, for example, I faith. went to Fuller and I love my education at Fuller, but it's it's slightly sad. I, I mourn that I never read James Cone at Fuller. I, I went through SPU Shocking. and went through Fuller and never read James Cone. So. I read a lot of Karl Barth. I read a lot of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I read a lot of my professor's books that they, you know, gave me, which were great books. Um, hmm. I, I, it, to be fair, I was also never assigned Paul Tillich, which made me really sad because he's my favorite. So he's your fave. So this is what <laughs> it's theology is like the the language that we have to describe what God is up to or doing or what God is up. What to. God is up to. <laughs> That's such a good layman's term. <laughs> That's what, uh, God's so that's, up to. Uh, that's what it is. I don't want it to sound too hoity-toity. I want it to sound like accessible. No, you know? and I think we're in the in the conversation in the head. We might use a lot of phrases that probably sound maybe intimidating. I think it's just because when you're surrounded by language and you're studying something, you just learn new words and they become a part of mm -hmm. your vernacular. It's not meant to be intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to start our conversation on the Trinity. We're going to do I'm it. I'm excited. Here we go. Okay, so one thing I would like to say to start off a conversation on the Trinity mm -hmm. is we're saying, just to be clear, God, three in one, mm -hmm. and it is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we mean God the Father, we could say God the Mother. Do you, do you're making a face. Do you want to say I that? I am making a face. You don't want to say God the well, Father? I you know no, I think you should say God the Father, okay. God the Son just the just to, just so we're not confusing. There's there's other ways of talking about there's this. There's other ways the of talking basic. about it. The most basic. I can't, I'm, this is what I would like to just preface with. Please. I don't think the triune God is I don't think it's a father, male, son, sure. male spirit. Some people will say female. I don't there's like a lot of discussion around that. I think we just have to s recognize 
the Bible was written in a patriarchal context. That's not good. That's not an okay context. We're still living in one. It's not ideal. Mm -hmm. But so I think it's important to push back in terms of like the patriarchal language that is so often used. It's also hard though, because it's what we all know and what's familiar. So the Trinity does kind of refer to God, the father, son, and the Holy spirit. And in terms of biblical language, that probably is the most apt, but father doesn't imply father male. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Very important. We're just trying to get the very most basic thing to start from. And then we can say all these things. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that you just said that. <laughs> so, so traditionally, it's meant God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what we mean. And, um, and they are three in one. Yeah. So it, this is what we would call a um, right paradox. An mm-hmm. ortho paradox. Oh, that's a good... I'm yeah. glad you're bringing that up. <laughs> so it's it's not meant to be resolved. We're not meant right. to get our minds around it. It's meant to be a mystery. And and when people attempt to demystify it, they're actually doing the exact opposite of what the doctrine is meant to do, mm-hmm. which is to keep God at a distance. Yeah. We're, not, we're not meant to wrestle God to the ground and understand God. So the tension is the good thing. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 beyond our understanding is a good thing and so this is what i, I want to say people come up with analogies and we might mention some analogies mm-hmm. they're not meant to get it into our understanding they're meant to help us relate maybe right, right but not to necessarily have it all figured out so one that, that people have used is water yeah <laughs> water ice and steam they're all the same but they look different right right now it's this is this is what's so frustrating about this so I saw a documentary years ago called Religious, and it was made by Bill Maher. Okay, the science. And I like Bill Maher. No, you're talking about uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh, yeah. Bill (laughs) Maher hosts Real Time on HBO. It's a political show. He's famous for being completely anti-religion. And he's a really smart guy, but when it comes to religion, he just sounds stupid. He sounds really stupid and bigoted and very not open-minded. And he's definitely not a bridge builder. He just criticizes religion and really looks down on anybody that believes anything. Hmm. And I think we all have to say as people that believe something that we don't want to push away people that criticize religion because oftentimes there's validity right. in their critiques. There is. I just I just hate that he throws everything out. Mm-hmm. And, and so this whole documentary is a comedy because he's first and foremost a comedian, hmm. but then a political comedian, uh, just trashing religion. And there's a lot of humor in it because he's a funny guy, but... There's just one part where I thought it was so interesting. He he interviews this guy that plays Jesus in a play at a southern church somewhere. Mm-hmm. And this this guy, after this whole documentary of Bill Maher being so skeptical and mocking every person that he's interviewed, this guy explains the Trinity by using ice, steam, and water. Oh, it's gosh. the one time in the whole documentary that Bill Maher comes away from the interview and be like, oh, that was pretty clever, actually. That really helped <laughs> me understand. <laughs> like, wow. That, That's so the interesting. The most basic... <laughs> description of the trinity but for him i could see the lens he was looking at it through was this stupid doctrine that makes no sense three in one father son holy spirit that doesn't make any sense (laughs) oh but now you've explained it through ice and water (laughs) and steam now i get it that's what christians believe but he's not approaching it with this mentality (laughs) you're really laughing at that he's not approaching it with this mentality that it was necessarily mysterious 
Right. So you're mocking something that was intended to be hard to comprehend. Right. And that we were never meant to comprehend. And yeah. you're going to make fun of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah. I think that that's uh, just even thinking back to the, when you asked me why I love the Trinity, I think that's essentially part of it is that it's one of those paradoxical doctrines. It's, I think the Trinity and this, the idea that God is both completely knowable and completely unknowable. Mm-hmm. Both of those are so mysterious to me, so hard to comprehend. And, and that in itself is like why I'm drawn to them because you could just meditate on it for so long and think about that's it. That's really good too. Just, we could, that's a, <laughs> this is one of our biggest catchphrases. That's a whole episode. <laughs> that's a whole episode. <laughs> uh, knowable and unknowable. That'd be, <sighs> I know. Big things. And I think that that's kind of part of the Trinity. I think that's related in the sense of the way the triune God, we know and understand the relationship, but we also, there's, it's an unknowable, like, mm-hmm. aspect of God. Mm-hmm. We'll never fully, well, I don't know. Who knows if we'll ever fully comprehend the relationship of the Trinity? Who who knows? Not now. Not it's now. not going to happen now. Definitely not in this <laughs> lifetime. Not in this podcast episode. <laughs> Trinity. But we will solve the Trinity. That's but, the thing. It's not something to solve. But there are some beautiful things about the doctrine. There's some beautiful reasons why uh, we lean into this description of mm-hmm. God as Christians. Yeah. So I'm looking at Macy and she's got six books in front of her all spread out six or seven books. I don't know. I had didn't all read sorts all of materials. All of do you want, do you want to share a, a, a something? Yeah, I'll share things. Okay. I just want to first note that I took a class on the Trinity in okay. college Okay. and I feel like I am putting, I'm like letting it down in the sense that I learned so much random Trinity history in terms of like early church fathers and the yeah. creation of it. And I don't remember any of that stuff. That's very hard and complex. So I really like had one topic that just blew my mind in that class that I just have personally studied since then. Let me give everybody out there an example of, of the history. Oh, yeah. And how boring it is. <laughs> so in the Council of Nicaea, yeah. which happened around 325 or something like that, uh, the whole all of these Christians mm-hmm. for like a year debated Oh, I'm going to say something so boring and you're going to be like, this is what people were talking about. They, they were talking about and debating whether Jesus began when he came here to the earth or was he always here? It, but, and this is what people were so angry about. And, and, and there's, there's a, there's a, um, anecdote about the council of nicaea that may be entertaining to listeners oh i want to hear it and it goes so <sighs> i hope people find this interesting i'm really it's intrigued. boring i'm really intrigued so so there's there the main person that was hosting council of nicaea's name is alexandria or alexander <laughs> i think and uh i'm i don't know exactly either they were I debating could this look guy it up named, in this book i have a yeah. whole book on it they're debating this guy named arius and arius was the one that was saying jesus had a beginning yeah. which was he's jesus is still god but he had a beginning and people didn't want Jesus to have a beginning. And so everybody that was, yeah, every, uh, one of the people that was part of this council was St. Nicholas, Santa Claus. So one of the stories is Santa Claus was so angry at Arius (laughs) that he punched him in the face in the midst of these debates in the midst of the council. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, that's a famous story. Look it up. It's real. Go look. Wow. Santa Claus punches How Arius in the face. How fun to think of these people who are saints yeah. being humans. Yeah. 
It's wild. They're that humans. punch people. And another catchphrase back then was something called hypostatic union. Oh my god! It's something about the Trinity and their union, and I don't even really know how to. I yeah. have read so many things about it, but couldn't even tell you what that it's, means. It's really boring, but 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 people give their lives to studying that sort of thing, and well, some people would say the Trinity is really boring. Sure, yeah, but it isn't. It's not though, everybody. It's not. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so the topic that That's stood an out to of me. The boring history. Which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the topic that stood out to me, which I think is what maybe it stands out to you in terms of the Trinity is this concept of perichoresis, mm-hmm. which is like the divine dance, the divine dance, which is not f- boring, not boring, not boring. Okay. So I have this whole book in front of me. Have you read any of God with a God for us by Lacuna? You, you have given me chapters. I think you, you let me borrow that book. Yeah. This book. So Catherine Lacuna, I just should say this woman theologian. <laughs> Woman theologian. We, we need a woman theologian here. Yeah, I already quoted Bart and Tiller. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she's kind of like I think in terms of Trinitarian theologians, the most like radical and up and coming and thoughtful. Oh, right. This book, God for Name us. Need to know. Is she, the Trinity she's, and Christian she's alive. Life. I think so. Okay, but I think uh, she's kind of old. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not sure. <laughs> What's um, her name again? Catherine Lacuna. Catherine Lacuna. The book God for Us, The Trinity and Christian Life is a humongous book that it just has. She fully understands the rich history of all the things that happened in that council and but is also trying to look at theology from all areas and kind of she just deep dives the whole Trinity and it's very thoughtful and very good. But then she really talks about the divine perichoresis. So, and I, I'll just give like a brief background, but the, this like first became an idea in the eighth century, the word perichoresis first like took place. Um, and it's, this is what, this is what this book says. <laughs> okay. In the eighth century, the Greek theologian, John Damascene used the term perichoresis to highlight the dynamic and vital character of each divine person, as well as the co-inherence and imminence of each divine person in the other two Woo! i feel like that's big 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 things and that's to describe things. perichoresis it's the first like definition of perichoresis and like when it first emerged okay on the scene. what i'm hearing when i hear that is it's a way to give to lift up every person in the trinity and give it its proper place and due, and, and to draw all their unique qualities mm-hmm. that's that's my lame interpretation i i don't know <laughs> my attempt at an interpretation that is I, my attempt at an interpretation an attempt i think well i think it is an interpretation okay that is but um <laughs> i don't know i feel like there's something uh so good in its essence of this idea of each divine person is always a part of the other two parts. Mm -hmm. So there's no actual separation in terms of, like, I think perichoresis pushes against this idea of a triune God. That's three gods in one, but we view them as like separate entities in the ways that they act in our lives. But perichoresis kind of pushes against that and saying that these, these gods are always in one another, like literally in the other in terms of their substance because they're always in that flow in that relationship Mm -hmm. it turns the whole trinity into something that's dynamic and moving 
a relationship that's ongoing and happening. And so the God that you communicate with or are praying to isn't a single God in their own mind. It's a God that's in a relationship in movement with other gods. But it is. I don't know if we should say gods. I know that doesn't make sense. I guess persons is why they say that. Persons is a good one. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Persons, uh, entities, but uh, this is all individuals. I don't, I'm not I entirely don't know. sure. This is, again, that's that's my interpretation. Well, yeah, and we're trying to make it, try to make it sense for somebody. We're trying to make sense of it ourselves. Yeah. But I think something to highlight, too, is if perichoresis is the perichoresis, whatever, is the divine mm-hmm. dance, it's also meant to, to talk about sort of a fluidity mm-hmm. and... Um, an aliveness mm-hmm. and you'd maybe and say a playfulness mm-hmm. a- and it's the whole point the whole point i think or one of the main points of the trinity is uh, it's relational mm-hmm. that god is in god's essence god is relational right and god isn't some f- sort of floating head yeah. autonomous head off in nowheresville floating around god is a relationship and we and then for perichoresis um in terms of having a relationship with God as we get invited into the divine dance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and that makes me think of just in terms of like the creation story that you hear. I feel like the way you hear and understand the story, if you're thinking of it as a God, a singular God, that's just like this, Oh, but I'm a God who's going to make people versus a man underst- with a white beard. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I picture. I know everybody does. I know. It's kind of it's wild. Weird. It's weird. <laughs> but but when you think of the tr- a triune God, that's a relational dancing God that's enjoying God's presence and in community and then wanting to invite more into that, that's a very different mm-hmm. kind of narrative and way of understanding that story, which I think honors the relationship of God to us more purely mm-hmm. than this idea of like a just this weird old god that wants to just make people <laughs> in seem, a toga sitting seem, on a gold yeah, throne they make us seem like puppets yeah you yeah. know so this kind of really pushes against that i think and i want to clarify this is central to christianity this isn't if you're listening mm-hmm. and being like oh that's scott and macy's weird no. extra thing this is the central thing this, this is the is central christian thing and when you think and you look like that, honestly, we ha- we will post a picture of Macy's painting. I, I'm looking at it the entire time. That should be our image of God. Yeah. Not not a, a white man with a beard sitting on a throne. If I could get that into my brain in terms of that's what I'm like worshiping in a worship service or in in my Christian or what I'm praying to. Right. Something more like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. I it think it could be radical. I think it's I I've felt it be radical in Mm -hmm. terms of my own experience of something had to get you to paint that something had to get me to paint that i think uh this this doctrine in itself is so touching to me Mm -hmm. of a god that's not a god that's almost reliant on the other persons of Mm. the trinity Mm. a god that's not so inward but Mm -hmm. a god that's outward but also communal Mm. That's good. It's just the movement of it and the movement of even just Trinitarian symbols of like it being eternal and flowing. Mm -hmm. There's something so yeah, artistically inspiring to me. I can't like I painted this painting because I can't help but be inspired by the relationship that's happening. I like to think for artists it's artistically inspiring. And I also like to think that 
a mathematician would find it inspiring. Right, because you know? one plus one plus one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> equals one. <laughs> <laughs> or just like the the symbol you posted on our Instagram. I think oh, there's something yeah. very complete and whole and complicated about that symbol. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the 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 discipline I'm probably least familiar with in the world is math. So I don't know, but I like to think a mathematician or or a math person would find it interesting. Yeah, I think they would. I, yeah i had another thought but it ran from my brain (laughs) well so uh, i would say this about um christianity too and any religion i want i in my life would love to demystify the concept of worship i think i I really truly believe that we all worship whether we admit it or not Hmm. and so you may not say that word you might not go into a room and get on your knees and bow down to something. But Mm -hmm. worshiping is essentially the, I always think that worship is essentially the thing you would dream about the most in your dreams. It's the thing that has the most power over your life Hmm. and everybody has something. So don't worry about it. (laughs) 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 Don't don't think it's a spooky uh, thing that religious people do. I think humans worship Mm -hmm. and, and what any religious person i think is attempting to do mm-hmm. is worship something worthy of worship oh that's a good way of putting it and and, is, and so if you think about god the, the christian god is this trinitarian god yeah perichoresis uh that the the god that we're attempting to worship is intrinsically relational mm-hmm. what we're saying when we worship is we're trying to become like that Right, exactly. So we're not trying to become a white man with a beard floating in the sky on a throne. Right. We're trying to become a dynamic relationship, and we're trying to experience it in our relationship with God and then experience it in our relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. And Christianity or religion or this life should be a divine dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think it implies – it also, like, in terms of its – gosh, that's just so good. In theological implications, it implies, like – a necessary need for the other mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. terms of the mm-hmm. way that it applies to our lives. So it, if God is, it's necessary for God to be God, that God's in community and in relationship. Yes. And if we are worshiping or following or inspired by this God, it becomes necessary for us to be in relationship with others and be in hopefully uh, the kind of relationship that is the divine dance that's fluid and taking and giving Mm. and boundary, but also like, so they have their identity, like the, the Trinity, they're, they're individual persons and yet they're always connected and a Mm -hmm. part of the entire Trinity, but also the parts of the Trinity, which is, yeah. I think of like the theological implications of what that is for us in our daily lives with the people around us, but also our communities mm-hmm. that we need the others that are different than us for us to be whole and who we are. Well said preacher Macy, you know, I, I think also, it's the, tr- yeah. I think it's perichoresis. <laughs> there it is. Maybe we'll title this episode perichoresis. No, I think, I think Trinity is good, but you know, um, one final <sighs> thought and uh, is is we talked about this in our Steven Universe episode but but fusion is a great metaphor for what oh, the trinity could be it is and who is it's not malachite is it who is who is a uh, garnet and amethyst and pearl fused garnet, amethyst and field. uh sardonyx no that's not sardonyx that's garnet and 
pearl. Oh, garnet and amethyst and pearl. Oh, the three. I don't know, but that technically would be four gems. Oh, weird. Oh, sardonyx would be the trinity. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple. I think fusion pushes against the trinity in the sense... I I think it both pushes against, but also comes from a Trinitarian thinking. Yeah, I don't know if Rebecca Sugar is even thinking about it, but it's a great metaphor. It's a good metaphor, the sense of like one yet separate. One yet separate is that there's in when the gems fuse. Steven Universe. Universe. Go back and listen to our Steven Universe. We shouldn't go back in their details. It's great. We like Steven Universe. It's a kids' cartoon Um, that we think adults should watch. Okay, so that's our attempt at an introduction to the Trinity. There it is. That is the introduction. <laughs> that was the introduction, everybody. <laughs> uh, wh- whatever it is. I, it's our attempt at a, at a preliminary description of oh, the Trinity. Trinity. We're going to come back with some more thoughts if you're interested. Guys, it's that time. It's that time of our podcast, second week in a row, where we're going to have Reuven's ruminations. Now, I won't give as long of an explanation as we had last week, but just if this is the first time you're listening to this, Reuven is uh, a roommate of Macy here in this housemate, housemate um, that we really enjoy and like, and we're a big fan of. And uh, the the idea of this segment is that Reuven is going to come in with random ruminations. Maybe sometimes it'll have to do with our theme. Maybe it won't. It's not the point. We're just going to, we're just going to put it in the episode and then we're not going to explain it. It's just going to pop up It's a and rumination. we hope you enjoy it. It's a, it's our gift to you. Okay. So here it comes. Reuven's ruminations. This time it, uh, it's relevant to what you're talking about. So when Macy first mentioned to me that uh, you guys will be talking about the Trinity, this th- this thing came up to me immediately. So, again, I'll be reading, well, not a poem. It's a prose poem. I mean, like, there's no official distinction between the two. Uh, but this is w- uh, from one of my favorite poets. His name is Franz Wright. Um, this is um, a collection of his prose poem called Kinder Totenwald, which means <laughs> forest of the death of children. <laughs> wow. I know it's very intense. Um, it's <laughs> it's I mean I I don't think you can see the cover but just take a look at this cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I love Franz Wright because I think his poem is at once kind of like it does have that religious kind of like feel to it it has like references to god to jesus to christ but it's also very painful it's very sometimes uh, his lines can be very lean and they can be very stark they can be very declarative uh a description of his poetry that i've always liked and it's at the back of this book is this by person named julia keller from chicago tribune where he says 
where she says, reading Kinder Totenwald is like walking through a plate glass window on purpose. <laughs> there is predictably pain, but once you've made it a few steps past the, past the threshold, you realize it wasn't glass after all, only air, and that the shattering sound you heard was your own heart breaking. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I know, that's pretty intense. Um, so th uh, the piece that I'm going to read is called Our Mother, right? And I think, you know, we, ten uh, the conventional, traditional way of referring to the Trinity is our Father, our, uh, not our Father, Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think, you know, I'm not, It, I'm sure it had a different meaning to kind of like, to different people, at different places, and different times, but I know that um, you know masculinity in kind of Christianity is something that both both of you care about a lot. So, is there a reason for me to be reading this poem besides the fact that the title is "Our Mother" and I love Franz Wright? Maybe not. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I think. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe it's maybe you'll find something in it, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read I'm going to read the poem. Our Mother by Franz Wright. If we come from the ocean, first we came from the sky. Tell me. Remind me. This sky is all the heaven I'm able to imagine. Remind me until I am changed. Once here, we remain always here in your universe, breathing the breath the change left us. My body already the leaves overhead and grass to be walked on, someplace hidden away, or maybe the surf, where someone not born yet will walk alone and undress. This flesh is your shadow. Remind me. Let me feel you're near to bless me. One of the women come to the tomb early, while it is still dark, only to find that the stone has been moved from the space wh where the corpse has been laid, and that the space is empty, and you're standing at its entrance next to the other who is silently weeping. He has been waiting for her, crouching down and working in the earth as if he were the gardener, and without looking up at her face, he asks why she is crying. Only yesterday, she replies, the teacher's body was laid in his tomb, but the stone has been moved and his body is not there. Sir, please tell me what they have done with it. Then he stood up and said, Mary? From the four corners of the world and this room, bellying curtain who stands nearby where I am lying ill, never to leave bride of the child. No need to leave the place of peace, faceless mother in sorrow, printless feet, weightless touch, wings of the separate address book my friend kept. Then, in the stranger time, the unending greyhound trip, boyhood with no boy, and early manhood with nothing but. It is all forever written down on a page in your keeping, the palm of my hand, Outworld the world time, out heartless the heartless, so much meaningless fear, 
fear filling the sky. Why? Why this insane waste of time? The whole world, one faithless Gethsemane, now decimation, true north, and only home. Unforget me this day, but stay where you are. No need to come dressed in the colors of water. Friend I meet everywhere, mother of starry blue space. And if the world cannot be saved, may each be saved in secret from the world. Don't waste a death on me. Let me come to you. Um, maybe a few words. I think <laughs> I really like uh, the bit where uh, Scott and both of you talk about kind of like the emotion of worship, right? I think, uh, and you, Scott, saying that worship is kind of like, you know, this dearest, most intimate desire in our heart. And sometimes it's easy to kind of like, I think, you know, like when you go to church and you worship, you're supposed to be kind of like happy, <laughs> Right, but sometimes worship takes different forms of emotion. Sometimes, it, you know, I think in this poem, it takes a, this form of despair, right, and loss, right. This loss that is kind of, you know, like the there's that little bit of recap in that prose poem about um, Mary, and like, you know, maybe that sense of like fear and like just the unbearableness for her, you know, losing her teacher. Right, that is maybe kind of like that. Also, worship. Worship can take that form of emotions. So, I don't know. I think sometimes, you know, when you know, we're taught to, you know, when so when we see someone like that's in despair, we think of them as like, oh, you should have like more faith or what. But, but maybe maybe th what's happening is worship there. It's something, that, but it's just something that we don't recognize. But yeah. So that is this episode's Reuben. Ruminations. you guys enjoyed that Reuven rumination? I did. I sh we sure did. <laughs> it created a mood in the room, Ugh, you know? It really did. Because it, it, heading into the rumination, there was an amped up energy, mm -hmm. and then we sort of settled. I think I appreciate it settling. So I feel like you need to like slap me in the face to get <laughs> me back. We've got closing thoughts, everybody, Here if we you've are. made it this far. And uh, so here's one closing thought. Mm -hmm. that I, may maybe there are a few stray thoughts. Okay. Stray thoughts things that I think may be important that might not have gotten mentioned. And one thing that I think is really important to you say about the Trinity in terms of its beauty, mm -hmm. in terms of what it has to offer humanity yeah, is the equality that is represented in the Trinity. Yeah. And I know we've alluded to that, but I think it's really important. Yeah. There, we, we talk about the Trinity. Uh, there is no top. So I think it might mm -hmm. be, natural oh, yeah. for us to think oh god the father's in charge mm. it's this kingly thing so if you think of the trinity as a triangle but not one where there's probably a, th there is a better image the one that macy posted on our instagram um it, it's not like this this triangle with god the father on top and then 
Jesus and the Holy Spirit are sort of subservient to mm-hmm. the Father. Mm-hmm. They're completely equal. Mm-hmm. So there is really, truly, in actuality, no place for hierarchy in Christianity. Right, right. And that's what I want people to understand in terms of, again, reiterating, this is the God of the Christian faith exclusively. Is. So this is what we're trying to talk about. It's something that gets mis... This is uh, what makes mis- it the God of the Christian yeah. faith. And it's what is a hallmark of Christianity. And probably you can make the case that we oftentimes maybe overemphasize Jesus, honestly. Yeah. And, and the Father, probably. And the Father, probably. Yeah. We, we got to do an episode on the Holy Spirit someday. But mm-hmm. I but I think that, again, going back to this idea of worship, if we're, wa- if we're worshiping a God that in itself is relational and participating in this sort of divine dance and is equal and and doesn't convey hierarchy and that's what we're worshiping and trying to form and mold ourselves into as Mm -hmm. we worship that's pretty cool it's very cool and i think it has a lot of practical implications with how we structure families and systems and economies and Mm -hmm. things like that and so i think i don't know if we took that more seriously i think the world we would live in would be different in the way it's structured almost our churches would feel different at the very least Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i think trinitarian theology is often really linked with liberation theology Mm. in the terms of trinitarian theology is often very like counter and on the side almost of people who are being marginalized or people who Mm. are unfortunately a part of a hierarchical system mm-hmm. the or Trini- classism right trinitarian theology pushes against that and pushes against yeah. trinitarian theology system. would push aggressively against classism mm-hmm. i think the trinity is also a a healthy push against dualistic thinking mm-hmm. so we live in a world where we often like to think of things in a binaried way so we think of something as black or white or girl or boy or you're this or you're that and wrong or right right mm-hmm. the trinity is a push against that and a push towards like even just the number three itself implies a lot more than just a two-pronged thing mm-hmm. because three is more of a relationship there's more parts involved and i think that trinitarian theology yeah, it just it pushes against this way in which we experience the world in terms of like a a yin and yang. It's right, almost right. Good like point. I think that's really worth saying. Or like evil versus good. It adds a lot more nuance mm-hmm. in the sense that it's this relational like circle and like movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows for a lot more gray area, which I think is good. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that's it. That's a closing. Point, I love it. I guess and. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is meant to be merely a conversation about the Trinity or if we're meant to be convincing people. I don't know. I I think it was mostly just a conversation. Well, I started by saying, I like to think that somebody that maybe may not know much about the Trinity would find this compelling. Mm -hmm. I don't know about somebody that I I can't imagine there's a lot of people listening to this that like really know a ton about the Trinity. It's something that's not really discussed yeah, all that much. Yeah, it's true. For some reason, I, I think I think it's just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of these episodes, again, is is I, I have this image of table setting. 
Hmm. We're we're like laying the table. It's, here's this little marker, Trinity. Here's this little marker, ASMR. Here's <laughs> a little marker, introvert, extrovert. And yeah, we'll come back. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll come back to it. And not be mad. Yeah. And maybe that's the next step, too, is to do an episode on the Holy Spirit and really mm. pull the thing apart. Hmm. Yeah, because we didn't even really talk about the different persons of the Trinity I know. and, like, the parts they play in terms of I know, because that's, that's the thing. It, that's another part of the element of how beautiful it is, is distinct yet one. And you yeah. could you could think about that in terms of a marriage. It's not Trinity, but mm-hmm. I think Trinitarian theology plays into that in the sense of a, a lot of Christians would think, would misuse and overuse this metaphor or this image we have of to become one Mm -hmm. and then you essentially use that verse to lose yourself Hmm. you have no identity in a marriage but a a beautiful marriage will be one yet separate two two separate people coming together but we still have our unique identities yeah that's the thing about it is it's one whole thing in terms of it's one whole relationship and entity Mm -hmm. and yet there's also individual identity within that you don't lose yourself in no. the relationship that, almost you find thing. yourself find in the relationship Ooh. Ooh. yeah see i think again yeah. i could get, go, get you know, going again you yeah know? yeah i could too <laughs> okay, okay we, so we have an idea we have an idea <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to end on a fun playful note so if you follow this podcast you know that we talk about the enneagram a lot mm-hmm. and recently we did an episode on ones we have an episode on two enneagram coming up soon but uh there's in, in our book that we've mentioned several times, Wisdom of the Enneagram. That's the one we recommend probably the most. Mm-hmm. There's little charts in the book that has to do with each number. It's like bad eating habits of each number. <laughs> they have the driving motivations of each number. There's another chart that says the way each number manipulates, which yeah. is really interesting. Really and then there's one of my favorite. Yeah, is uh, healing thoughts for each number. <sighs> this one's good. Yeah. So I like the idea of like thinking about how a concept can apply to each unique number on the Enneagram. Like Macy and I were thinking, how cool would it be to take a sermon? Mm -hmm. This would almost be impossible because there'd be no space or time for it, but to take a sermon that you've written, but then give it to each number. So it's the same message essentially based on the same passage, but you tweak it a little bit for each number and what they kind of need to hear. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so interesting. (laughs) Going to church, if you're a nine, enter this room. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So I think we're, we're starting with this, sen- with this sentence. I'm not even talking about Michael right now. As you meditate on the Trinity, remember. As you meditate. So, okay. w- so what I think we're going to try to do is, is have a word to each number on the Enneagram. If you don't know your number, uh, go look it up maybe. Uh, oh, hi. Go study the Enneagram. It's not like you can look it up. But if you, if you do know your Enneagram number, this might be fun. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start by saying, as you meditate on the Enneagram, remember. And we Not haven't really... As you meditate on the Enneagram. As you meditate on the Trinity. <laughs> as you meditate on the Trinity. Okay. Here we go, I guess. Yeah. As you meditate... This is for the ones? Yeah. Okay. As you meditate on the Trinity, please remember that it's okay sometimes to live in the gray and that you don't have to always know what is right. That's good. So we're doing this in real time. We've not written yeah, this down. Yeah, I haven't written that. Yeah. Do you want to say any more? No, I think that's it, okay. right? Short yeah. or longer? You, I think you can go as long as you want. No, I think that's it. Okay. Okay, twos on the Enneagram. As you meditate on the Trinity, remember that the Trinity is about equality, and it's also about reciprocity and mutuality. 
So nobody gives or takes more than another. So as a two, remember that it's beautiful when you're giving, but it's also beautiful when you're receiving. And you worship a God that models that for you, and we're invited to live that way. So remember to not um, give too much and, and to remember to expect things from others as well. Wow, that was good. <laughs> okay, three. <laughs> we kind of laugh at threes. We, we don't know very many threes, so it's a little hard trying to get in the mindset of a three. Okay, okay. Okay, Enneagram threes, as you meditate on the Trinity, please remember that the Trinity teaches us that who we are and where we are is enough and that you don't have to do anything to earn being in that relationship and that we're invited into the relationship and that there isn't anything that we have to do to get there and that wherever you are, you can experience life and whatever you're doing, you're doing a good job. Doing a good job, threes. Three. <laughs> you're doing great. You're good. I you're yeah, yours are really good. <laughs> oh, mine, my one that I did. <laughs> Your one is really good. This is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Uh okay. I think also, just to brief pause in the midst of our uh Enneagram benedictions, um Macy and I think are starting to step out into this uh, stage of our Enneagram study where we're trying to talk about the numbers without referring to a book. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of trying to, to master my understanding of the numbers. Not that we ever will. Right. But I remember even if you would have talked to me three or four years, three or four years, three or four months ago, if you have said, what, what is exactly a four? I'm like, well, let me get my book. Let me get my mm. book. And I'm kind of just like, let's see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's a fun kind of challenge. I can't believe we're about to do fours. What okay. am I going to say to fives? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay fours i don't know we're gonna see what's about to happen here this is like uh riffing and ad-libbing and freestyling um i'm in front of a four right now everybody so she has her hood on she she's waiting for what's about to be said okay fours on the enneagram as you meditate on the trinity remember that you are whole and complete as you are you want to be unique and you need to know that you already are unique and that others around you are also unique there's a phrase that one of uh, a four that I uh, heard talking a podcast used recently that she believes that she is a worker among workers. So if we believe that the Trinity represents equality, remember that as you are special, everyone is special and there's nothing that you need to do to separate yourself from the beautiful dance that is perichoresis. Oh, that was a good word. <laughs> that workers line is so good. Yeah. Okay. Let me think about the five. <laughs> No, I'm a five. What am I going to say? No, what am I going to say? <laughs> say it. Maybe picture okay, saying I it to Ruben. I think I know what I'm going to say. Okay. Enneagram fives. As you meditate on the Trinity, remember that it's okay that you may not know everything about this divine other and that you may not fully understand it and that it's okay to sometimes not know something in completion and that there is beauty found in the mystery and beauty in the discovery of new facets but it's okay sometimes to accept that you're not going to understand everything so remember that as you meditate on the trinity which is ultimately a mystery that is unknowable that's good but also knowable (sighs) okay sixes sixes 
Okay, sixes. <laughs> Let's see. Let's get in the mindset of a six. Um, I feel like I could have done a better job for ones. Oh, uh, we can go back and, and start know. at the beginning. Um, this is so hard. <laughs> Enneagram sixes. As you meditate on the Trinity, remember that the Trinity represents a safe community hmm. so that you are safe in your relationship with God as God invites you into the divine dance that is the Trinity. You are safe in your relationship. You don't need to worry, but you are also safe in the communities and relationships that you're already surrounded by. So know that you can rest in the safety and comfort of the people around you and you don't need to live a life of suspicion and fear and that you can be joined into the dynamic relationship that is the Trinity. Hmm. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, sevens. <laughs> <laughs> what can be said? What can be said? It's a seven <laughs> listening at this deep in our podcast. Yeah, they're, oh they've moved on to another activity. On. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They, I think sevens moved on <laughs> at, at about right before we got to Ruven Ruminations. <laughs> Seven was like, I yeah. have other plans. Yeah. I need to save people and do things. Enneagram sevens, as you meditate on the Trinity, remember that this Trinity is a divine dance and you are invited to the party. You're invited to the space um, and the relationship that is the Trinity um, also remember that in this space, you're invited to be your whole self and bring your whole self, your pain, your discomforts, your excitements. Um, you are necessary for that party. Mm. Ooh. Sevens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Enneagram eights. Oh. As you meditate on the Trinity, remember what I said earlier in this podcast that the Trinity represents equality and that there is no room for hierarchical, hierarchical power structures. So bring your power into your relationships and also make space for other people's power and learn that as you worship a God that is triune, that there is room and space for everybody's power without being overbearing or dominating. The crown of the n of the uh, nines are You got it, nines. You don't need a word. <laughs> um, okay. But it could be another affirmation. No, I think yeah. I think. Gosh. Okay. Enneagram nines. As you meditate on the Trinity, may you remember that you are a part of this divine relationship, and that you are essential and a part of all the pieces coming together and that who you are matters and that your uh, role in the relationship is necessary and that your voice and presence um, contributes to the divine dance and that as you think of the divine dance and the trinity remember that each person's voice uh, matters and is necessary and so is yours. <laughs> so, so good. So good. That was rogue. <laughs> we tried something so rogue and creative, you guys. We tried it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you know, I mean, it, it, that is it. I, I, it was really interesting that to just go on a, well, are we done officially or do we want to really wrap it up? I don't know. We should, I don't know. Is it put down the microphone time? <laughs> probably soon. We yeah. should probably just say, I hope you enjoyed that. We really tried. I hope that it actually was 
I don't know. I mean, at the very least, what the point of that was, was to say um, the Trinity has a lot to say to all of us. We tried mm-hmm. to say that every one of us will experience that that truth or that wisdom or that profound image in a unique way, mm-hmm. you know. So there's an attempt at an example of that. It was yeah. funny because I was watching uh, Lil Wayne on Jimmy Fallon the other <laughs> night and he's he's it, they were saying maybe he's recorded more than a million songs. Hmm. He says he's always recording and then he doesn't ever write anything down. So he has nothing ever written down. Hmm. And he even came to perform one of his songs last night and they showed a picture of him in rehearsals and the roots who is Jimmy Fallon's band knew that he was coming and doesn't ever write anything down. And they had printed out his lyrics for him. Oh my So he gosh. had to memorize it before the performance. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, is that he is sort of the master of, freeform hmm. he doesn't overthink it he just turns yeah. on the microphone wherever he is and he's like here's what i am now i don't even know what i just said but we're going on to the next song here's the next one yeah so it's th- a good th- challenge riff was kind of in the spirit of lil wayne oh okay <laughs> <laughs> just trying to ad lib and have fun and yeah um, yeah so hopefully it was whatever helpful for you maybe it wasn't i mean we're trying it was a cool exercise we're for baby us I think. humans trying yeah. to understand the enneagram and the trinity what the heck <laughs> baby humans <laughs> also trenches out yeah. everybody oh yeah. oh yeah we didn't mention that we didn't even mention that at the very beginning uh yeah that's it <laughs> microphone down for trenches <laughs> out but uh i think oh we'll just say uh next week we're gonna be interviewing my friend john keatley yeah and uh i don't know what we're doing after that we have another topic i think oh oh yeah so next week we're gonna be interviewing my friend john who's a photographer really excited about that and then the week after that we will be doing a 21 pilots part two <laughs> because 21 pilots released their album and macy needs some time to process that and yeah, so do i a lot of diamonds so it'll give us about two weeks to really uh get to know this album and then we're going to come back to some thought with with some thoughts mm-hmm. big thoughts what, what was it's the song amazing we were singing earlier it's amazing tricky theology tricky theology what were we saying what was the phrase oh, nitty gritty nitty theology, theology. <laughs> nitty gritty theology we gotta end this thanks okay. for listening everybody goodbye bye, bye.